What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Casual Big Ten Podcast. Today is Tuesday, September 5th, 2023. My name is Kent Peterson. I'm the host of this show. And on today's episode, we're going to talk about everything that happened in week one. We're going to wrap up all the games. We'll go on a little tour around the Big Ten, talk about each team, who looked good, who looked bad. Did we get any questions answered from the offseason, or are there more questions after week one going into week two? We're going to discuss that. If you're watching this on YouTube, please hit the subscribe button. If you're watching this or listening to this on a podcast app, go ahead and hit follow. Why not? You don't want to miss a second of the action. We're in full swing of football season. And what does that mean? Well, for the podcast, it means that we're going Monday, Wednesday, Friday, starting this week. Even though this episode's coming out on Tuesday, we'll go Wednesday tomorrow. I'm coming right back at you guys with the Kickstarter for week two. And then, of course, we got Bet Big coming out every Friday with the boys that were in town this weekend. B1G Willie, a.k.a. Wilson. And then Bet Big Brad, a.k.a. what my kids called him, Braddy the Batty. <laughs> they thought that was hilarious. Not in a nice way. They were saying that he was bad at everything. That's why they were calling him Braddy the Batty. So we'll have Braddy the Batty back on Friday with Wilson uh, talking about all those games. And like I said, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, starting next week. I know I'm a little behind this week. I just took them back to the airport this morning. So I wanted to take Monday and just hang out with them and then uh, get right back into it Tuesday. But starting next week, it'll be Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We're into it. We're into the season. And I don't want anyone to miss a second of the action. Let's get into these games, though. Let's talk about what happened this weekend. We had the perfect schedule, the perfect schedule for the Big Ten this week. We had a game on Thursday night. We had a game on Friday night, eight games on Saturday, and then a little dessert, Rutgers versus Northwestern on Sunday afternoon. What a great way to start the year. It was awesome. It was exciting. There was a lot of drinking taking place at my house with, like I said, Braddy the Batty and Big Willie. Man, we just had a great time watching all these games and, you know, just trying to figure out what's going to happen this year. And it all started on Thursday night. Minnesota, Nebraska, final score was 13 to 10. It was a great way to start the Big Ten season, especially because it was Big Ten West. And everything on Twitter just kept saying, we got the same thing we got last year. The Big Ten West is Big Ten Westing once again. Um, great defenses, or was it? Bad offenses. Who knows? We saw... Um, a very low-scoring game, which to me just got me so excited about the rest of the year. I love those defensive battles where one play can just swing the entire game, and that's exactly what happened in this game. In my opinion, though, I thought that Minnesota won the game. Now, listen, that's what you want to do to start week one. You, you want to win the game, obviously. You want to win every game. But especially in a home opener against a team that's bringing out a new coach in Nebraska with Matt Rule. They got a lot of hype coming in. They're going to be different. They're going to look better. And I thought that they did. I actually thought Nebraska looked pretty good in most phases of the game. They ran the ball really well. They defended really well. It felt like even though Ethan Kalika Manis was making some big throws and he was in some big time spots, especially on some third downs there, it felt like Nebraska's defensive backs were doing pretty good for the most part in this game. And they definitely shut down Minnesota's run game. I was really surprised to see that Bryce Williams and especially Sean Tyler, who I heard so much about this summer, 
basically got bottled up. In fact, I should look that up. Well, how many yards Sean Tyler had while I'm continuing to talk? But I thought both defenses looked good. I don't think this was a product of a couple a couple teams that don't have great offenses. I don't think they have great offenses. I think their offenses are good, but I think it was more a product of a couple of defenses that were really ready to play on Thursday night to start out the year. Let me look up this box score real quick cuz Sean Tyler, like I said, he did not did not really impress me. Um, like I said, Ethan threw the ball really well. Here it is right here. 41 yards on 10 carries. Not not super impressive to me. Um, Minnesota didn't run the ball well, but I thought Ethan controlled the game decently. They weren't finishing drives, but like I said, Nebraska defense was playing really well. Here's where I thought the game was lost for Nebraska. They went away from the run game. They wanted to see what Jeff Sims could do with his arm, and we all found out that Mainly what he can do is throw it to the wrong team. He threw three picks. There was also a fumble from Nebraska, so they had a total of four turnovers. When you're in a 10 to 13 game, the last thing you want to do is turn it over 14 times. Usually the team that is on the other end of that is going to win the game, and that's exactly what happened. I thought that Nebraska gave this game away, though, in multiple spots. At the end of the first half, there was a touchdown that I thought should have been a touchdown. It wasn't a touchdown. Clock's running out. Nebraska's hurrying up to the line. They got they were had about less than 10 seconds left, and the running back, I think it was at that time Irvin, um, ran it, and he was really close to the end zone. So Nebraska, who had a timeout left, decided they didn't want to use it. They're going to rush up to the line and try to quickly quarterback sneak it, probably. And when they did that, their left tackle jumped, and they got a false start. So... They had to call a timeout to prevent the 10-second runoff. That's the rules in college football. So they had to burn their timeout, and they got moved back five yards. Well, during the timeout, the referees decided, hey, maybe we should go back to that first play or the previous play and see if that was a touchdown. To me, it looked like it was. I thought it was a missed call on the ref's part. And the bigger issue I have with it is that I thought that the referee should have stopped the game right when it was questionable live. That way you don't give Nebraska a chance to come up to the line. They're all panicking and get that false start. I think that was the problem with that. If the refs stopped the game right there and say, oh, whoa, whoa, let's go look at this real quick and make sure it wasn't a touchdown, then Nebraska can take a deep breath. All right, here's what we're going to do. If it's not a touchdown, here's obviously what we're going to kick the extra point if it was a touchdown. They don't get the touchdown. They move back five yards. Jeff Sims has to throw it at this point because there's not enough time left and they don't have any timeouts and he throws a pick in the end zone. Huge play in the game. Huge sequence in the game. Because not only do they not get the touchdown, they don't get the seven, but they miss out on an opportunity to get three points as well. So huge momentum swing going into halftime. And then after halftime, Nebraska comes out, big kick return. They go down and score their only touchdown of the game. So I thought that if that play right before halftime goes the other way, now obviously everything switches after that. You might not get the same plays after halftime that you got before halftime, whatever, whatever happens. You basically lost out on three points and you lost the game by three points, or you lost out on seven and you lost the game by three points. However you want to slice it, Nebraska gave it away there. They also had a chance at the end of the game. It was still tied. Um, Minnesota had come down. They were down by seven at this point. So it was 10 to three and Nebraska was still winning. This was in the fourth quarter. Ethan drives down, 
He throws one to the left end zone, and it was Daniel Jackson with the catch of the week. He slides his left toe, magically keeps his right foot off the ground, and makes a beautiful catch to tie the game up. Nebraska gets the ball back. Hey, all you got to do is go down and kick a field goal. You can win the game. Nah, we're going to throw it again with Jeff Sims, and he's going to throw another pick. I mean, he just is staring down. I think it was his tight end. It might have been a slot guy. Staring him down, throws it right to the defense. Minnesota picks it off. They come back down, kick a field goal, win the game. Like I said, most important part, they won the game. Whatever you got to do week one. Whatever's happening week one, you got to scratch, you got to claw, you got to kick, punch, whatever you got to do, they got the win. They're 1-0 and and uh, at the top of the Big Ten West standings right now. Impressive win, I thought, for Minnesota. I think that both of these teams were better than what I was expecting going into this game. Even though the offenses looked kind of shaky, it's still week one. The defenses looked really good to me. And uh, a couple of big games coming up for them. Let's see if they can either rebound if you're Nebraska going to Colorado, which is the hottest team in football right now, if you exist on Twitter. And uh, for Minnesota, I forgot who they're playing next week, but see if they can stay and keep their winning ways going and go 2-0 next week. I, I talked a lot about that game because I thought that game was great, by the way. I think that might have been the game of the week this week. Um, as far as a competitive game, even though, like I said, the offenses weren't playing great, I thought it was really competitive and it was extremely fun to watch as a fan. Uh, Friday night, we go to East Lansing. Let me switch my slide. I always forget to do this. East Lansing, uh, Central Michigan at Michigan State. I thought that Michigan State started the game really slow. They had a brand new quarterback, Noah Kim. I think he was trying to find his sea legs a little bit. And uh, I feel like he settled in in the second half. Nathan Carter was the guy that I was talking about the most after this game because, to me, he took over the running back position for Michigan State, and he took it away from Jalen Berger. I didn't think the offensive line for Michigan State played great. They were opening up some very small holes for both of these guys. And Jalen just wasn't finding them. It felt like Nathan was. So he feels like he's going to be the guy for Michigan State, in my opinion. Now, they could come out against Richmond this week, and it could be all Jalen Berger all day. I don't know. We'll see. But I thought that Nathan Carter played better from the running back position. Uh, The defenses improved, though. If you remember them last year, they were giving up big plays. They were giving up uh, a lot of passing plays. And I thought that their defensive backfield played a little bit better. Um, and was able to hold Central Michigan to, what was it, only seven points, right? Um, Michigan State was one of only three teams to cover in the Big Ten. It was them, Penn State, and who was the other one? I'm forgetting, I'm blanking. Uh, Not Maryland. I can't remember who the other one was. But they were only one of three teams to cover. Now, their spread was a little bit smaller than most of the other teams. It was only 14 and a half. But, hey, good teams win, great teams cover. Is Michigan State a great team? We'll find out. That schedule is going to be brutal starting week three. I think they win again next week. We'll talk about that on uh, Wednesday and Friday, of course. Going down the road to Ann Arbor, Michigan playing East Carolina. This game was not really entertaining to me because I thought that Michigan was in control of the game pretty much the whole time. I was a little surprised that ECU did so good shutting down Blake Corum. I thought he would have a bigger game and Donovan Edwards, for that matter. I think that um, I think that Michigan will be able to run it more in the following weeks because they'll have Coach Harbaugh back. 
And listen, when you have no offense, no defense, but you do have a couple of wee fences, anything can happen. Because, you know, wee fence is like way better than offense or defense. And when you got a wee fence on both sides of the ball, I mean, watch out. Watch out for Michigan when that wee fence gets out there this Saturday. Um, JJ looked good. He threw the ball well. I think that uh, his pocket presence looked really good. But again, it was ECU, and I think they were a little bit keyed in on the run, so they they kind of had to throw it. Um, but he had a good game. And then uh, one of my favorite parts of the game was ECU kicks a meaningless field goal as time is expiring. It's one of my favorite things in college football. We're not going to get shut out. We're going to kick three right here. It's going to look a little bit better on the scoreboard. I love it. I love it by ECU. Um, but Michigan wins, and they I, like I said, I thought they looked okay. I was expecting them to look a little bit better. But I thought that they looked okay, and their starters didn't play most of the second half. So, I mean, a convincing win right there. On at the same time, on Saturday, was Iowa versus Utah State. Iowa picks up the win, 24-14. to It felt like it was going to be a rout in the first quarter. Cade comes down and throws two touchdown passes, like, within, I think it was, like, the first eight minutes of the game. Um, red hot coming out. It looked like Iowa was going to walk all over them. And then they finished the game and they're still under the Brian Ferentz average of 25. He could not have been happy about that, especially because it was 24. Um, the spread was 24 and a half. You heard Wilson talk about it last week saying that I don't think they're even going to score 25 points and they didn't. So, um, my takeaways from this game were, like I said, Cade looked really good at the beginning. I thought that Iowa went away from uh, giving him a chance to shine the rest of the game because they felt like they were kind of in control, and they went back to the old Iowa from last year. Let's run the ball. We're going to get stops on defense. It's not a big deal. So I just didn't I didn't love how they played the rest of the game um, throughout this, I would say, second quarter on, really. Um, I thought that they could have really put this game away if they let Cade cook a little bit more, but you know, that that's just something that they're going to have to figure out in the next couple of weeks. Caleb Johnson got to, got one touchdown, but he just had an average day overall. Once again, against an opponent like this, just like I was talking about with Michigan, I was expecting the running backs to take over a little bit more. And like Caleb, I was expecting him to have a huge game and it was just okay. That's how I'm going to rate his game. It was okay. He got his touchdown and he, I don't remember how many yards he got, but he had an okay game. I expect him to do more. I like Caleb Johnson. I'm expecting a lot more out of him in the next couple of weeks. At the same time, all three of these games, we had Michigan, you had Iowa, and you had Purdue and Fresno. Now, YouTube TV is what I'm rolling with this year. I love it. I love YouTube TV. They've been solid. I used to have Hulu and it was a joke. They would like drop games all the time and it used to just piss me off all the time. But YouTube has this function. It's like kind of going back to the 90s when picture and picture was invented. But they have it where you can watch multiple games at the same time. And I have it where I can have two TVs in my living room at the same time, which is nice. So I had one TV with the Michigan game because it was on Peacock. So that was the only thing we could watch on that TV, which not even could go down that road, but I didn't love Peacock. And then on the main TV, I had the YouTube with like four games on. I think it was Colorado TCU and then Purdue and Iowa all at the same time. I will say though, YouTube, if you're watching this, which this is on YouTube. So somebody, I know Big Brother's watching this. 
let's make it so that we can choose which games we have on in this like triple, double, or quadruple box that we have on the channel. Because I would have liked to pick the games that I had on. Like some of them had like Iowa and then some of them didn't. Some of them had Purdue and some of them didn't. So I'd like to pick it. But anyways, um, 28 to 17 was the score. And I thought Purdue was going to win the game. I believe that was in the second quarter. Sorry, I'm reading my notes a little bit backwards here. Uh, I thought they were going to win the game and then Purdue kind of blows it. They give up a lot of big plays. They give up a couple of scores to Fresno. Fresno comes back. They get the win 39-5. to Once again, Purdue had a chance at the end of the game to come back down and score again. I think they had a turnover to finish the game. Um, but if you're looking for positives, I thought that Hudson Card looked pretty good. Every time I saw him throw the ball, it looked pretty accurate, pretty strong. And uh, if you're looking for negatives, I thought that Purdue's defense didn't look good. And you have Ryan Walters now, who has hung his hat on defense. He's made his name off defense, and then you come out in this first game and you're playing Fresno State and you give up 39 points. That's not good. If that's what you were expecting, I wasn't. I was expecting the defense to look a little bit better. I have more questions about Purdue than I have answers. I went into the week not knowing what we were going to get. I think even Purdue fans would say, I don't know what we're going to get out of this team. I thought they did well offensively, pretty much the opposite of every other Big Ten team that I watched this weekend. Really well offensively. I mean, you scored 35 points. That's great. And then you gave up 39. Really bad defensively. And that's not really what I was expecting, like I said. So what is the de- is the defense going to improve? Ryan Walters said that there's going to be a huge improvement from week one to week two. We got to see it. Got to see if the defense is going to get stops and then see if the offense can keep clicking and score like they did this opening week. We move on to the 330 games. I've been talking a long time already. We had Wisconsin and Buffalo. I probably watched this game the least out of all of them, and I'll touch on this again towards the end of the show if anyone sticks around for that whole part. Um, I just learned, though, as I was watching kind of a little recap of this game, my guy Shamir Dyke is what I've been calling him. It's pronounced DK, and no one's nobody has corrected me on that. They just let me call this guy Dyke for the last year. Even put him on my, my guys list for 2023. <laughs> But uh, Shamir DK had a uh, big touchdown catch. That's what actually gave Wisconsin the lead. It was tied 7-7. They got a lead right there. Um, They kick a field goal after that, and then the game was pretty much over. So it was 17-7 there for a while, and then it just felt like Buffalo was never going to come back. Wisconsin ran the ball really well. I saw, um, uh, what was his name, Chaz Malusi actually had the first touchdown for them. So he got the ball. Braylon Allen was running the ball well. I thought that Wisconsin looked pretty good. thought Wisconsin looked pretty good, but they were playing Buffalo. So once again, it's all this week one stuff where there's some inferior opponents. My question marks, once again, I, I know I keep saying once again, I'm leaving this week with more questions. Is this a real Wisconsin offense? Are they going to be able to put up 38 every game? Or was it Buffalo? I have more questions than I have answers I'm going to be honest. I didn't see the defense play as much. I was kind of more locked in on the offense when Wisconsin was on. So uh, I'll be more locked on with that next week uh, when Wisconsin Wisconsin plays again. I'll take a a closer peek at their defense and see how they're doing. Another game uh, on at 3.30 was Maryland versus Towson. This game was never in question. I thought that Maryland could have won by a lot more. They probably could have scored 50. 
I think. Um, I'm going to pat myself on the back just a little bit. I told you that Corey Deitches was going to be the guy receiving-wise for Maryland, and he led them. He had six receptions on six targets, sure-handed as hell. Um, scored a touchdown, sure-handed as hell. He had 108 receiving yards. He's my guy for that. I love Corey Deitches. I think that he's actually might be building up a little bit of NFL draft stock. I know I don't talk about that as much as a lot of other podcasts do, but I think he could play in the league. His receiving talent is just so good. And like I said, there's so many new guys at Maryland. I said this a few weeks back that Leah, I saw them tweet that they call him Leah instead of Tua Leah, but I think Leah is always looking for him. So I think he's going to have a big year. His over-under was set at seven and a half, and I think he's going to crush that. This was a ho-hum game for me, though. Um, Maryland's still always, they're always under the radar because they're buried in the Big Ten East, but they are decent. Just like last year, they're going to be decent. You don't want to play Maryland. You're not going, no one's going into Maryland and nobody, I don't think anybody this year, not even Ohio State, is going into Maryland in that game and saying, this is an automatic win. They're going to be tough. They're going to be tough to beat. Speaking of Ohio State, Probably the most talked about team uh, this weekend as far as how bad they played, really. I mean, they won the game 20-3, to but they're playing Indiana. Indiana, they have their new uh, revamped defense. Thought it looked pretty good. I thought their defense against the run looked really good. They were extremely, extremely active on in the backside of the defense. I thought that... Uh, they gave Kyle McCord fits. They were mixing everything up. People give Tom Allen a ton of shit just because he looks funny. But I thought he had a great game plan going into this game against what there's so much going on at Ohio State. It feels like I could talk about them for the whole episode. But is Kyle McCord the QB one? I think so. And even after this game, I pretty much know so. But why did Devin Brown come in the game for a series? And also, why is he wearing number 33? That's freaking weird. Um, so it, it just feels like they're kind of still figuring stuff out with their quarterback. And then it really feels like they're trying to figure stuff out with their running back. We've talked about Trayvon Heavy, Henderson, and we talked about Mayan Williams a ton this offseason. These were two guys that were on my top 25 running backs list going into the season. And I think I might have been wrong about that, especially from the Ohio State perspective. And there's another guy that agrees with me. His name is Maurice Claret. You guys remember him? He quote tweeted, my guy, Mr. Ohio. He follows me. We follow each other. We're both on Twitter, big time. But Mr. Ohio tweeted a video clip of Chip Trainum. And if you were watching the Ohio State game like I was, Chip Trainum looks like he is the best back at Ohio State right now. He ran the ball freaking hard. He looked cool when he was doing it. He had black and white cleats on, which made it look even better. And uh, he said, RB1, Chip Trainum. This was Mr. Ohio. And then Maurice Claret quote tweeted it. He said, if you run the ball, you know these are RB1 reps. You can build around this. The eye in the sky don't lie. And then Beanie Wells, who also played at Ohio State, a little bit of running back in his day, said facts. Commented back and said facts. So we got two alum 
basically legends at Ohio State, I would call them. Didn't they both win at Natty? I'm not sure if Beanie Wells did. Um, and then Maurice replied back. He said, well, I know you know. Hard to explain to people who don't know what they're looking at. Chip would go down as a great if they made him number one. Forget the politics. That Joker's the real deal. And just so much to dissect from that tweet right there because I didn't know that there was politics involved. I knew there was politics involved in college football, but I didn't realize that it was involved with this situation with Henderson, Williams, and now Trainum. Um, I watched the game too. I saw the same thing that Mr. Ohio and Mr. Wells and Mr. Claret all saw. I, I said it during the game. I said, he's the best running back. And uh, you know what? I never ran the ball, Maurice, but I knew what I was looking at. He looked like the best back. I think he should be the lead back for them and just give him the ball constantly. He was running the ball freaking hard. And like I said, looked great doing it. Um, Indiana's defense was a little bit better than I expected. It looked revamped. They might, fe- they might steal a few wins here late in the season, but you're not going to steal one against Ohio State. And once again, like I said with Minnesota, Ohio State wins the game. They're 1-0. They get to go back, and they have something on film that they can watch now and say, hey, this is what we're doing well. Maybe even the coaches are seeing what we're seeing. They're seeing uh, Chip running the ball, and they're like, eh, we should probably give him some more carries next week. Um, and I think that Ohio State's going to get even better. And uh, Jackson for Indiana, that was the last note that I had. thought he looked okay, but they could not finish drives. They just couldn't score, so... You're not going to win many games, especially against Ohio State when you can't score. All right, the next one I have on my list. I still think I have this out of order. Had it out of order on Friday as well, but that's okay. Excuse me. Let me get a little drink of water here. Penn State versus West Virginia. Penn State wins the game. Penn State was one of the teams that covered. Uh, I didn't put the score on here. What was it? 38-17? 38-15? I think it was 38-15. 38-15. Look at that. I remembered. I thought Penn State showed me the most out of all the teams in the Big Ten. Um, the big story that, not the big story, but the big play that people were talking about at the end of this game was when Penn State went down on their last drive and scored for what seemed like no reason to give them seven more points. But if you were watching the game, West Virginia was running trick plays, West Virginia was onside kicking it, and West Virginia was calling timeouts on defense on Penn State's last drive. If I'm coaching, which I have coached football before and things like this have happened to me, if I'm coaching, I'm doing everything I can to score on that last drive. If you're going to try to onside kick me and run trick plays and call timeouts when the game is clearly over. Now, if you don't call timeouts and you're going to let the, we'll run the ball and the clock's running and you want to let it run and we could just finish the game and shake hands and let it be what it is. That's fine. If you're going to call timeouts on me, though, and extend this thing, I'll extend it. That's what I would say if I was James Franklin and if I'm a Penn State fan, which this season it feels like I'm leaning that way more and more every time I think about Penn State. I'm freaking jacked that they went down and punched this last one in and rubbed their nose in the shit a little bit. That's what I would be excited about because I wouldn't want anybody calling timeouts on my team, and I'm glad Coach Franklin did that. And I'm excited that they scored one more and go, went ahead and covered the game too. Because they weren't covering at that point. They weren't up by 21 at that point. And then they went up. Um, Singleton, more questions. Once again, why didn't he have more yards? He had he got enough carries, but 
Why wasn't he breaking those big ones like he did last year? Maybe a bit of a sophomore slump, or am I reading too much into this? He had 70 yards on 13 carries. I thought the Penn State defense looked really good. They held him to just one score until uh, the fourth quarter when I think most of the subs were in. They gave up 310 yards, and 102 of them were in the fourth quarter. So if you take away that last quarter, they really only gave up about 200 yards to West Virginia, which I think was probably, unless you talk to an Illinois fan, (laughs) probably the best team that any Big Ten team faced this week. That was outside of the Big Ten, of course. Like You can't say that, well, Indiana faced a better team. They were playing Ohio State. I get that. But outside of the Big Ten, I think that Penn State had the hardest matchup and they held him to a score in 200 touch or 200 yards, basically the whole game, um, until the fourth quarter when they started subbing people out. So I'm excited about my Penn State pick to win the East and uh, go to the playoffs. I thought that they proved that they're just as good as advertised, and I'm expecting them to just keep it rolling the rest of the year. I am reading into this. This is the one team I'm reading into a little bit. I think they're going to be great all year. Um, speaking of Illinois, <laughs> uh, let's talk about these guys. Um, okay. They, they won the game. Go back to what I said about Ohio state and Minnesota, Illinois, you won the game. Talk about scratching and clawing to get a win. Illinois was down by 12 to Toledo with eight minutes left in the third quarter. Toledo retook the lead with three minutes left in the game. So Toledo was winning the game with three minutes left. Okay. Had every chance to win this game. And I'm not cheering against Illinois. Let me just make that really clear. I'm glad Illinois won the game. Maybe not as glad as I was Saturday night after all the replies that I got about this tweet I'm going to talk about. But Toledo retakes the lead with three minutes left. Illinois has to come down and kick a field goal to win the game. On that drive, on that final drive, there was a fourth and four where Altmeyer, who was fine, Altmeyer throws one up on fourth and four. The wide receiver comes down with it, cradles it a little bit. It looked like it could be called either way. I think they reviewed it because I watched this game back on like the YouTube TV, like key plays. And I think they reviewed it and called it a touchdown, but there wasn't an alternate camera angle that you could have even seen where it hit the ground. They get the first down. Listen, they got it. They got the first down. And uh, they go down and uh, kick the uh, extra point. They go down and kick the field goal and win the game. Like I said, that's what you want to do. They're one to know. They're one to know in what's going to look like a very competitive Big Ten West now. They're not uh, not against a Big Ten West team, but they're one to know in that division now. So that's what they needed to do. I think Illinois has to improve a lot. I really do. I was not impressed with what I saw against them. Um, and I'll talk about that in just a minute, like after I talk about this Rutgers Northwestern game, because I want to get through that first. And then we'll get to my final thing here, my final thoughts. Uh, Rutgers Northwestern, Sunday. Like I said, this was the dessert of the weekend. I love that there was football on on Sunday. Um, made me really excited. Rutgers looked so good to me. I think it's because they're playing Northwestern, <laughs> but they looked really good. They dominated them on both sides of the ball. Talk about a wee fence. Man, they had it going. Wimsat looked extremely comfortable. He was sitting in the pocket and I mean, he had hours to throw the ball. It felt like 
And then anytime he got any sort of pressure on him, he was running that thing, and he looked really good. I think that for Rutgers, this was the best team that they could have played going into this season with a new quarterback, like everyone has a new quarterback. But with Gavin Wimsatt, his his confidence has to be sky high right now, even though it was Northwestern. It's still a Big Ten team. You're 1-0 in the conference, even though they're in different divisions. He's got to be feeling like, I can do this again, even if it's a little bit better competition. And I think that he can. I think Rutgers might be a little bit stronger than I was expecting to start the year. Um, but I love this game. Rutgers wins the game. What was it? 24 to seven. I think Northwestern scored at the very end. Once again, probably Rutgers even had, uh, some subs in Rutgers covers going away. The spread was only six and a half. How come I can't find this game on here now? Scrolly, scrolly, scrolly. Where did it go? It should be at the end because it was on Sunday. Rutgers, Boston College. Oh, we're in the wrong season. What the hell? Why am I messing this up now? At the very end of the episode, there it is, 24 to 7. I was right about that. Um, great way to end the weekend. Great way to end the week in the Big Ten. As soon as that weekend was over, though, and this is going to be my final thoughts for uh, today. I appreciate anyone that made it this far, 33 minutes into this episode. I put out a tweet. It was, uh, and I'm not bragging about this because if I brag about it, people will get the wrong impression. I was in my pool drinking high noons and me and Wilson and Braddy the Batty were coming up with the power wanking, ranking wankings. <laughs> I should call it the power wankings going forward. That way people can't take it serious because they took it serious coming from casual big 10. They took these really seriously, but I just put out this tweet and I knew that it would get a little bit of interaction because if you're a fan of anyone, and I've talked about this before, and you rank your team anywhere on any list, if someone's ahead of you that you don't think should be ahead of you, you're going to say something about it. If if you're too far down and you think you should be higher, someone's going to say something about it. Um, the way that I did my power rankings for anybody that cares, if you lost the game, you were, I even tweeted that you were minus 2 million points. And if you won the game, you were plus a million points. What matters in football is winning and losing. Okay, so we had 10 teams that won. We had four that lost. I ranked Nebraska as the top team that lost because they were playing Minnesota. I ranked Purdue right behind them because they scored 35 points against a decent Fresno team. Indiana played the toughest opponent in Ohio State. So they were third and they didn't do very well. Um, And then obviously Northwestern was fourth. They just looked abysmal uh, this weekend. But as far as the top 10, though, I went Penn State. Like I said, I thought they showed me the most. Michigan was second because I didn't think that they played their starters very much. So they probably could have made that game a little bit more embarrassing. Then I went Ohio State. I gave Minnesota number four. There's a big gap. Some of the people were saying this on Twitter, too. A big gap between three and four. Um, And then I went Michigan State number five. I went Minnesota four, by the way, because I thought that they played a Nebraska team that's pretty good. I think that Nebraska is going to be better than what we thought. So I went Minnesota four, Michigan State covered in convincing fashion against Central Michigan, who's pretty bad. And right here, five through eight, really, I think there can be an argument for any team to be kind of mixed up in there because then you have Maryland after Michigan State who played Towson. They made them look embarrassing. Um, and then I went Iowa, Wisconsin, 
And really, if I'm being completely honest, I would probably, and Wisconsin fans, thank you, by the way, you're probably the most level-headed people I talked to this weekend. They made the argument that they won big against a team that won four or five games last year. And that's a fair argument because I do think that Buffalo was better than like Central Michigan. So maybe I should have had Wisconsin a little bit higher. Uh, but at any rate, I put uh, Rutgers after Wisconsin. And then Illinois, you were the least impressive win this weekend. We were playing Toledo and they won the MAC last year. I get it. But when push comes to shove, it was a MAC team. And you realistically should have lost the game. I know you won, like I said. Most important thing, you got a million points for winning. But uh, it wasn't impressive to me. I thought it was the least impressive win, even less impressive than Rutgers uh, to beat that team because Rutgers at least was playing a Big Ten team. Do, do I think that Toledo would beat Northwestern? Maybe. Maybe, but maybe not, though. I'd like to think that wouldn't happen. So uh, that's how I ranked it. Most viral tweet I've ever had. People were accusing me of uh, clickbait, which is, once again... I was sitting in, I was inside of my pool and I'm not bragging about any of this. I'm not bragging about the pool or how many views it got or anything. We were just joking around, having some drinks. I was like, let's do some power rankings. And we talked about it for about five minutes and then it just exploded and people were a lot. I will say a lot of people were agreeing with it, which I think that it's a fair, other than, like I said, Wisconsin, Iowa, maybe that range, it could be anywhere. Um, a lot of people thought it was fair, and but most people that were fans of their team, um, especially Illinois, like I said, were uh, very critical. We'll just put it that way. But I love you guys all, everyone that's following me on Twitter. I appreciate it. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube, like I said. Appreciate everybody that's been following along. Um, if you're not already following on Twitter, go do that. It's at Casual Big Ten. Um, I'd love to hear from you guys. Any replies on Twitter, I'll be putting out the uh, lines for Bet Big on Friday, probably tomorrow. And anybody that replies to that tweet will be read live while we're recording. I thought I just heard some music. I guess that was my chair squeaking. While we're recording the episode, we will read all your comments and respond to them for Friday's episode. Um, we're back. We're back. That's what's going on right now. We are totally back right now. I'm just excited that football is back. I'm excited for week two. I'm happy to see everybody in week one. I'm happy to see the fans are alive and well, especially on Twitter. I love you guys, man. This is going to be a great week. We'll see you guys in the future. So well, she knows the future. She knows, she knows what God's in your She knows the future. She knows everything.